Even when the bad things were happening to Naomi, she was still under the shadow of God's wing. And Naomi can see that now. Can you see it? Even when the bad things are happening to you, still living in the shadow of God's wing, bathed in his loyal, steadfast mercy and kindness. Do you see it? Continuing our look at the story of Ruth living in the shadow of his wings. Let me remind you a little bit about the story so far. Naomi is concerned about Ruth's future. I guess she feels some responsibility to see to it that Ruth will be okay when she's no longer around. I mean, Ruth as a foreigner with Naomi gone, well, her, her position in the community would be precarious. Boaz maybe could be the answer. Maybe he could be their Goel, their kinsman redeemer. Maybe Boaz could buy back Naomi's property and marry Ruth. He is a relative after all and he knows Ruth and he has been very kind to her and we're thinking maybe he likes her and maybe he'd be open to the idea of marriage. Maybe all he needs is a little bit of encouragement. Well, Boaz is going to be alone tonight at the threshing floor. So Naomi has spotted an opportunity and she's come up with a rather risky plan. She's told Ruth, Ruth, spruce yourself up. Go down to the threshing floor, and after Boaz has had his dinner and bedded down for the night, wait till it gets dark, then go and pull back the blankets and climb in beside him, and he'll tell you what to do. Mm. And we left the story last time at the end of Act 3, Scene 1, with Ruth agreeing to do that. She said to Naomi, All that you say to me, I will do. Some nerve. Ruth. I mean, it could go horribly wrong. Surely there has to be a better way. Why is Naomi suggesting this? The storyteller doesn't tell us why, but let's see what happens. We're going to read on now. We're going to read Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young woman you were with, is he not our kinsman? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. 
Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, All that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a near kinsman. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am your near kinsman, however, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a near kinsman for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. So when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how this matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Act 3, scene 2, takes place at Boaz's threshing floor. She, that is Ruth, went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had instructed her. Boaz, we're told, is in good spirits. Literally, his heart is good. Maybe it's because the day has gone well. Maybe he had a few drinks after his dinner, or maybe there was a party in the evening before the workers went home. Maybe some of the workers are still around. Maybe it was too late to go home. Maybe some of them weren't fit to drive back into town. So Boaz lies down, it's a good job, Naomi told Ruth, to take note of where Boaz lies down. We wouldn't want her to climb in with the wrong guy. Anyway, Boaz goes and lies down at the far end of the heap of grain in a nice quiet corner. It's going well. Verse 7, after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went and lay down at the end of the heap, and she came softly uncovered his feet and lay down. The suspense was building. 
Now it happened at midnight. It just so happened. We've heard that phrase before, haven't we? It's the storyteller's little joke. It's as if he's saying, oh yes, it just so happened. It's a subtle reminder that nothing happens by chance. But I'm sure that wasn't the first thought that came into Boaz's mind because it just so happened at midnight that he turned and he found a young woman in his bed. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and he turned himself and there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? As you would. But instead of waiting for Boaz to tell her what to do, like Naomi had said she should, Ruth comes straight out with it. She answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. She comes straight out with it, but her words are carefully chosen, as you're about to see. She has obviously thought about this. I am your servant, she says. But the word she uses is not the same word she's used to introduce herself to Boaz on other occasions, and that's significant. The first time she met him, she said to him, I am a foreigner, an outsider, somebody who's not worthy of your notice. The next time she spoke to him, she used a different word which indicated that she had taken a step up. She said to Boaz, I am your worker. I am a laborer. I am one of your employees like the others who work in your fields. But now the word she uses says, I am Ruth, your handmaid. With the word she uses this time, she moves herself up another notch. She makes herself more his equal. It's a word that shows respect, yes, but not subservience. A woman would have used this word, for example, when she spoke to her husband. And actually, it's never used by a woman when she's speaking to another woman because it somehow brings out her femininity and her need for help and protection. Spread the corner of your garment over me, she says. And she doesn't mean by that, I'm cold, take me under your blanket. The New King James Version gets it a bit better when it says, take me under your wing. It's clear what Ruth means. She's saying, Boaz, take me under your wing. Shelter me. Protect me. Watch over me. Care for me. Honor me. Love me. Take me as your bride. And that becomes even more clear when Ruth tells Boaz why she's asking. Take me under your wing, for you are a close relative, she says. I'm asking you because you're a close relative. You're a potential goel. Remember that word, a kinsman redeemer. A close relative who would buy back, who would redeem the property of someone like Naomi, who had fallen on hard times in order to restore his, or in this case, her dignity, and to restore his or her part in the promise that God had made to Israel. So it's clear what Ruth has in mind here. She's appealing to Boaz. She says, take me under your wing. Take me as your bride. You are a goel. Will you redeem us? Will you restore our property and our dignity and our security? 
And it's interesting that in making her appeal, Ruth takes up the very words of Boaz's own prayer for her, the prayer he made in chapter 2 and verse 12. He said, The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Boaz, I have come under the Lord's wing for refuge, for safety and security, and you, Boaz, have prayed that the Lord will bless me. Boaz, will you be the one through whom that blessing will come? I think maybe Boaz is being asked to be God's answer to his own prayer. Boys, you better be careful what you pray for. Anyway, instead of waiting for Boaz to tell her what to do, like Naomi said, Ruth has declared her hand. Maybe she doesn't want to risk Boaz getting the wrong idea. Maybe she's wiser than Naomi. But Ruth has declared her hand, and now she's waiting, like we all are, to see how Boaz is going to respond. Now, you've got to remember, Boaz is not under any obligation here. There is at least one other man who could be Naomi and Ruth's Goel. Remember, Naomi said... Boaz is one of our close relatives. And actually, Ruth is asking him to go beyond taking on the responsibility of being their goel. She's asking him to take on the responsibility of a lever, asking him to marry her and presumably to raise up a child who will inherit Elimelech's property. Now, that responsibility strictly only fell to a brother-in-law, and Boaz wasn't a brother-in-law. So he's under no obligation. Ruth is appealing to him as a man of good character, a man of honour. And she's saying, have pity on me. Will you be our redeemer? Well, the guy is clearly overwhelmed. He's, He's so impressed with this girl. He responds with what is actually the longest speech in the whole story. First he says, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness, more hesed. You have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after younger men, whether rich or poor. He's overwhelmed by her kindness, by her hesed. How come? Well, because she's already shown a lot of that kindness or hesed to Naomi. She left her home, she came to Bethlehem with her, she's provided for Naomi. But what she's doing now puts all of that in the shade. Ruth, you see, she's, she's a beautiful young woman. She's well thought of in the community. She could have had her pick off the young men. But she's chosen Boaz and asked him to make her his bride. Why did she do that? And the answer is because he is a potential goel. He's a potential kinsman redeemer. He's the one who can legally secure Naomi's property. So do you see what's motivating Ruth here? Because Boaz sees it right away. It's hesed. It's loyal, faithful love for Naomi. She wants to make sure that Naomi's property is redeemed and that Naomi's future is secured. So she's going to ask the old farmer to take her on. And Boaz is just bowled over by that. He says, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, 
for you have shown more kindness, more hesed at the end than at the beginning. But, of course, he has more to say to her than that. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. The whole town knows it, Ruth. You're a virtuous woman. Or a woman of noble character might be a better translation of it. Now, I wonder where have we come across that phrase before? A woman of noble character. You know, in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth doesn't actually come between Judges and 1 Samuel. That's where it fits historically. That's why we put it there. But the Jews put it between Proverbs and Song of Solomon. Before Song of Solomon, the best love song ever written, the one that pictures the love between the Lord Jesus and his bride, the church, well, Ruth comes immediately before that. And it comes immediately after the book of Proverbs. And you all know what Proverbs 31 is about, don't you? That chapter that describes the virtuous woman or the woman of noble character. The book of Proverbs where it says, An excellent wife or a virtuous woman is the crown of her husband. I just thought I would mention that. Keep it in mind. Boaz goes on, Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. Oh dear, what's going on here? Is someone else going to step in and spoil the story? Is this just a matter of duty for Boaz? Is he just doing the honourable thing? Is he saying, look, Ruth, there's someone else who has the right to redeem Naomi's property. We have to give him his place. And anyway, he might be a better catch for you than me. Is Boaz trying to duck out of it? Is he thinking to himself, maybe the other guy will do the job? Does he not really like Ruth at all? Just when we thought it was all settled, the suspense is back again. We'll have to wait to see what the closer relative is going to say. But we are reassured about Boaz's feelings and intentions by what happens next. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Now, there's something you need to understand here. Boaz is a farmer. And girls, if a farmer should take a shine to you, don't go looking for flowers or chocolates or any of that kind of nonsense. But if he says, here's a box of apples to take home to the mother, or hold your apron out and I'll give you a lot of barley, well, you know you're well in there. He's a keeper. The barley here is significant. It's a symbolic act. It's a symbol of Boaz's commitment to the relationship. And that is how Naomi sees it. 
Act 3, Scene 3 now takes us back to Naomi's place. It's early morning. Naomi, no doubt, has been waiting up all night to hear what has happened. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. Naomi says, How did it go, Ruth? And Ruth tells her everything. But funnily enough, the storyteller focuses on just one thing. That barley. These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. He gave me six measures of barley. And he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And Naomi knows exactly what that means. She understands farmers. Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Sit tight, Ruth. It's going to be okay. Hebrew poetry and all that, the patterns of the words are significant. I think there's another reason why the storyteller picks up on the barley and what Boaz said when he gave it to Ruth. Act 1 finished with Naomi saying, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. And here Act 3 finishes with Boaz saying, don't go back to Naomi empty. You see what we're meant to see here? We're meant to see God in the background. It's all right, Naomi. I'm going to fix that emptiness for you. And Naomi's reply to me indicates that she gets that. Sit tight, Ruth. It's going to be okay. You know, now that I think about it, maybe Naomi's plan wasn't so crazy wasn't so off the wall as it might seem. Let me tell you why I think that. What Naomi told Ruth to do, it's kind of symbolic, isn't it? Ruth lies down under Boaz's blanket and says, take me under your wing. Be my refuge. Be my safety. Be my security. Be my redeemer. Do you see the act is a picture of what she's asking them to do? Nice plan, Naomi. Yes, it was a risky plan, but what you got Ruth to do was full of symbolism. It showed Boaz exactly what you had in mind. It showed him the kind of relationship you wanted for Ruth. You didn't just want somebody to buy back the property. You didn't just want any man for Ruth. You wanted everything that Boaz taking Ruth under his blanket pictured. Your plan showed Boaz what you had in mind. Your plan showed Boaz marriage as it ought to be in every way. Hesed. And Boaz got it right away. You getting it? Because Naomi's plan, what she asked Ruth to do, has left us with a lovely picture that we can learn from. It's a picture of what marriage ought to be. It's a picture of hesed, faithful, loyal love in action. A picture of what marriage ought to be. A picture of what marriage is all about. You know, boys, when you marry a girl, 
It's not really about getting somebody to iron your shirts or to put your dinner on the table or to bring your children up or to meet your needs and fulfill your desires or to make you feel good. Those might be fringe benefits. They might not. They might be. The fact is, when you marry a girl, it's not all about you. In fact, it's not about you at all. When you marry a girl, you are or you should be taking a woman to whom your heart goes out in love under your wing to protect her, to care for her, to provide for her, to nourish and cherish her, to keep her safe and secure. What was it you men promised to do that day? Love, comfort, honour, protect and care for her, forsaking all others as long as you both shall live. Wasn't that it, or words to that effect? And if, having taken that lovely creature under your wing, you should find some fault in her, sometimes it happens. Because you have made a commitment before God, you will still keep her under your wing. Whatever it costs you, however hard it gets, You'll still treasure her and you will still do all you possibly can to help her to be the best woman she can be. That's what marriage is, or ought to be. And that's what it is to be a man of noble character, like Boaz was. You could do worse than model yourself on Boaz. And do you see what it is that's driving Boaz here? What's motivating him? It's not her looks. If anything has drawn his attention to her, it's the fact that she's a woman of noble character, a woman of hesed, loyal, faithful love. But what's really pulling him in now is that he has pity on her, he's drawn to her in tenderness, His desire is to protect her and care and provide and love and ultimately faithfulness, loyalty, commitment. Hesed is what's driving Boaz. That's what a good marriage is built on. Looks will pass. She'll end up looking like her mother before you know it. But when you spot a woman of noble character, a woman of hesed, And God stirs your heart to go out in pity to her. That's all you need. She's the one. Girls, when you marry a man, you take on to be his handmaid, to respect and honour him, a helper suited to him to help him to be the best man that he can be. You see, it's not about you either. Isn't that what you ladies promise to do, love, comfort, honour, and obey him as a faithful helper, forsaking all others for as long as you both shall live, or words to that effect. So girls, look for a man that you can respect. Look for a man who has hesed woven into his character. And then because you have made a promise to God, when you get to know him and find that even he has some things about him that aren't so respectable, You should continue to respect him anyway and help him to be a better man. Be a Proverbs 31 
woman, a woman of noble character like Ruth. You could do worse than model yourself on Ruth. Now we could go on all day on this theme, but anyway, nice plan, Naomi. You gave us a lovely picture of what marriage is about. You've also given us a picture of Hesed in action. Kindness, pity, tenderness, loving kindness, mercy, grace, love, commitment, loyalty, faithfulness, all wrapped up together, steadfast, strong, unchanging, unconditional, loyal love. That's what Hesed is. And we see it in Ruth giving herself to Boaz for Naomi's sake. We see it in Boaz who's moved for pity, sorry, in Boaz who's moved by pity for Ruth and takes her under his wing. And we see Hesed everywhere in this story. Everything is just bathed in Hesed. Everywhere you look, God's people are doing Hesed to one another. It's how it ought to be among God's people. Homes bathed in Hesed, families, church, friendships, workplace, all ought to be bathed in Hesed. God's people doing Hesed for one another. And for those who aren't saved too, for the stranger. Naomi, with her risky palm, has painted for us a picture of Hesed in action to help us understand, to show us how life ought to be. Think about that and think about how you can reproduce it. But really, what Naomi has done is she has given us a picture that helps us to understand God better. You see, and I keep telling you this, and I know I keep repeating it, you can't repeat it often enough, this story isn't about Naomi. It's not about Ruth, and it's not about Boaz. We can learn from them, but they're not really here as examples for us to copy, because this story is about God. When Naomi does Hesed to Ruth, or Ruth to Naomi, or Boaz to Ruth, it shows us what God is like. God is showing us what Hesed looks like so that we can know him better. As the psalmist says, with the merciful Hesed, you will show yourself merciful Hesed again. God's Hesed is being revealed to us through the actions of his people being played out in this story. When Boaz spreads his blanket over Ruth and says, Ruth, I will be your goal, you will be my bride, I will restore your dignity, I will care for you, I will love you, I will protect you, with me you will be safe, you will be secure, you will be bathed in my love. That's a picture of God's Hesed. That's a picture of what the Lord does for everyone who places themselves under his wing. And that's where you are, Christian, under God's wing, living in the shadow of his wing. 
And even when the bad things were happening to Naomi, she was still under the shadow of God's wing, bathed in his chesed. And Naomi can see that now. Can you see it? Even when the bad things are happening to you, still living in the shadow of God's wing, bathed in his loyal, steadfast mercy and kindness, his loyal love, his grace, his commitment, his loyalty, his faithfulness, his tenderness, his love, his pity. Do you see it? Maybe bad things are happening. And maybe your life seems a bit empty just now, but you're still under the shadow of God's wing. Sit tight. It's going to be okay. There's a little passage I love in the book of Ezekiel. It comes at another one of those times when Israel had turned away from God. They've gone their own way again and they're reaping the consequences and they're finding out it's a hard, bitter world out there without the Lord. As many of us have found out at times when we have drifted away from them, it's a hard, difficult place out there in the world on your own. And God looked on them and he took pity on them. Is it time for more punishment to drive them back? Is it time to give them a whipping? Here's what God says. You were naked and bare when I passed by and looked upon you. Indeed, your time was the time for love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord. Turned their backs on them, going their own way, again and again and again. And God looks on them in their misery that has been caused by their own sin, and he says, you need a bit of loving. It's time for love. And he loved them. He took them under his wing, put them right, committed himself to them with a covenant. And he said, you're mine. I wonder if you're out there on your own, away from God, going your own way. Maybe not saved at all. Maybe you are. Maybe you've just wandered away, turned your back on God. I don't know. It's a harsh, bitter world out there. Hard things happen. It's a lonely world. It's an empty world. Come in. Come in under his wing. Ask the Lord to save you. Ask the Lord to take you back again. And leave that emptiness behind. It's time for love. God has plenty to give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lovely picture that has been put before us of your love, your chesed. What a lovely, safe place it is to be living in the shadow of your wing. Help us, Lord, to appreciate it. And if there is anyone here who has wandered away from that place, we pray that the thought of your love would bring them back. We pray in Jesus' name.